0: the other thing you need to shift is that the mindset because i realized that when i'm invisible i feel comfortable but when i'm feeling comfortable i'm not able to help other people there are people who might need my help but because they don't need know that my existence i wouldn't be able to help them
1: another installment of the perspective podcast my name is Devin. my co-host mitch harley and we have cynthia zai am i pronouncing that right hopefully i got that right uh yeah she is a uh, a voice coach and uh, a lifelong teacher and we are honored to have her here um to share her story and and uh you know what she's gone through to get to where she is and where she's going so cynthia i guess um my first question to you is is What brought you into the world of voice coaching and why is it, uh, you know,
0: part of your mission? Sure. So, you know, there's a saying that we teach what we needed to learn the most. (laughs) So uh, voice was the area that I needed to learn the most in my very first corporate job. I was not very assertive and uh, to the extent that I was bullied by the boss. And uh, then at the end of that that job, that uh, I was having extreme level of stress. So then I was talking to a friend, and uh, then on a side note, have good friends. (laughs) So I was talking to a good friend, and she said, Cynthia, you're not assertive. And that's where I went on a journey to be more assertive, to be heard. And uh, voice the speaking voice was one of the areas that I discovered. And when I developed my own speaking voice, I realized, wow, not only that I sounded more assertive, more powerful, but also I felt more powerful. So that's where it planted a seed that this is something that I can help other people with. And in my last corporate job, when I was doing a training on leadership, so some participants, they were asking, oh, Cynthia, uh, you have a good voice. How do we develop our voice? So that's where I realized, ah, there's a market need. That's where it gave me the final push to come out of the corporate world.
1: And so you kind of went out on your own and and started to kind of build your own business?
2: Yes, for the past 12 years. So did you create a curriculum yourself? Did you go to something to kind of uh, kickstart that? Or did you just say, hey, I'm going to start from scratch, build this on my own. And then if it becomes accredited later, great
0: uh so in a way i was on uh, creating the curriculum by myself so i was looking at what worked for me that was in the beginning and then uh, as i coach more clients i realized ah these are the things that works the best so the uh, curriculum has been fine-tuned over the years
1: i love that you kind of approached it with a um a ready fire aim mentality we preach that a lot on this podcast in that you know, you can only do so much to learn and and grow yourself. And then, uh, you know, when you want to go out into the world and help other people, you just have to put the message out there and see where it lands and see who it resonates with. And when it does, when it connects with people, um, you know, that's kind of when you start to narrow in and and refine the aim, like who you can help and, you know, how you can help them along their journey. When you were going through that process, um, how did you manage the? I guess we'll call it sticktuitiveness to be able to keep going down that path, even though I'm sure you met a lot of you know
0: roadblocks or, or failures along the way. Yes, yes. So uh, uh, for me, most of the times I felt that I was like ready, fire, and then aim. <laughs> so I came out of the corporate world only had one client in the pipeline and uh, so after i finished working with that that client then the pipeline was dry and then i realized oh my god the saying is true the saying was if you if you don't have a plan you plan to fail <laughs> and uh, so that's where i realized oh this is uh, something that i need to take it seriously and uh, also that that's where i started a plan so uh,
2: <laughs> so when you decided that this is what you were going to do and, or you were going to attempt to do it. um, There's a lot of great ideas out there. I think you talk to most people with some sort of entrepreneur spirit. They've got some really good ideas, but where they're missing and they may even attempt it, but where they're missing is how do I take it from a cool idea? Maybe even a hobby to that monetization and, and there's not like, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. We all need to make a living. And so you might as well make a living at something you enjoy. Where, where did you realize, okay, do, you got to do some test market a little bit? At what point did you say, okay, now it's time to monetize. Now it's time to charge. And how did you come up with that formula so that you could support yourself with this path?
0: Mm, okay. So uh, that's why, you know, that whenever we have an idea, we have to test it out. So one thing that I did was, in the beginning, was go out and network. So I went to a lot of networking events to test my idea. And uh, there are also different ways, even that introducing myself. So I was testing, if I say it in this way, then I see their response. So what kind of questions they will be asking. For example, in the beginning, when I said, oh, I'm a voice coach, they said, oh, are you teaching uh, singing? And then I realized, oh, okay, I need to uh, change the way something I need to change. So it's always that whenever you have an idea, you have to test it out. Uh, One is the networking events. Two is now all kinds of social media platforms. So we need to uh, also uh, just get your ideas out there. There are some of my uh, friends who just started their business. They will be asking me. They said, oh, Cynthia, do you think that this will work? I said, you're asking the wrong person. (laughs) Even though I did build a good business, but I'm not your customer. You have to test it out with the customer with the potential customers, see what their responses are, see what kind of questions they ask. And uh, even that if you don't have a client in the beginning, you can work with friends and then see that what kind of uh, experience that they they had, what kind of feelings they got after working with you. So uh, that's very important that you need to uh, have the idea and then test it out. That's where you will need to fine tune it afterwards.
1: That's so important. I know uh, there's an old saying, um, if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, the fish is going to think it's an idiot for its whole life. And that's so powerful when it comes to business. And that if I came to you with an idea and I was like, Hey, you know, do do you think this is going to work? Well, you're not the right person, right? It's the fish in the tree, but I got to, if I went to other fish, right. Or I went to a different place where the thing that I, the problem that I'm solving would work. I get different feedback. So that's so important for for anybody who's kind of in that space of like, who has an idea or wants to try something or pursue their passion. Um, You know, it's not always valuable to ask people if it's going to work because you could be, you know, essentially asking the wrong people.
2: Yeah, that's where your client, like, let's talk about your first client. Once you were officially like, I'm going to go forward, you've made a deal, you have a rate and, and you're going to move forward with this transaction. How did that go? Because nobody wants to be the first. Everyone wants to be the tester because they get something for free, but nobody wants to be that first paying customer because there's no, in a sense, there's no credibility or history, even though there is, but there there was no official client employee relationship, right? How did you overcome that barrier from convincing somebody that, hey, this is tried, this is tested, it's true. You just need to be the first one to support me monetarily.
0: Okay, so I didn't tell them that you're my first client. <laughs> I <laughs> so, like simple, but, it's more, but it works. Yes, very, very interesting, because I knew it, will, it would work because it worked on me. So if let's say that who is my first client, then my first client was myself. I tested on myself that it worked on me. And I felt more powerful. So I knew that it will work. And that's why that in the beginning, when a lot of my friends and even my mentor back then, so I told them my business idea, and then they were all saying, oh, it's not going to work. And uh, even my mentor, he said, it's not going to work. I was very frustrated. So I decided to stop talking to him. (laughs) Simple solution. (laughs) And, uh, but I realized that the reason I believed so strongly that it will work because it worked on me. So that's why for my very first client, uh, I didn't say, oh, you're my very first client. And uh, for others, if you didn't have the experience working yourself, then you can uh, work with friends first. uh, Don't charge them. And then you will have the testimonials. So for my very first client, the interesting story was that I put up uh, my company information. I changed my uh, LinkedIn profile. Guess what? My very first client, twelve years ago, was from LinkedIn. <laughs> wow! So, uh, yeah, L-
2: LinkedIn has been interesting for us because I have a lot of opinions on LinkedIn. I think there's some, you know, dark side to LinkedIn. But for us as a podcast, our first what six four to six uh, guests were from an outreach on LinkedIn. We had an mm. organic message. That was very authentic and to the point and people responded to it that usually don't respond to messages. So I totally we definitely resonate with that, that LinkedIn used properly is a great way to connect with the proper clientele for what you're going uh, direction and for what direction we are with kind of the entrepreneur world as well. So that's that's an interesting one. It's a little validation for us, I guess.
0: That's right. And then also that he got good result. So uh, after he got good result, I asked him to write me a testimony. And uh, a few years later, he even introduced other friends to me. So that was uh, the very first It's
1: It's it's cool that it becomes perpetual at a certain point in terms of like the people that you help. They're going to encounter people that need that same help, but not, you know, be in a position to do it so they can yeah. you know, send people down the path towards you. There's a lot to be said about one of the things I feel like we're kind of circling around and that's the, the imposter syndrome. Like I know in my own experience, when I first kind of moved into the space of doing marketing, um, I was really nervous when I talked to people because I didn't know if it was or wasn't going to work. I didn't have the confidence in myself to be able to say that, yes, I can get the results that I'm promising. And, um, the turning point for me, much like in your situation was when I did finally, um, get those results. And it was actually for my ex-wife and her tattoo shop. We were running ads on Facebook for 10 bucks a day and we were getting two or three clients, uh, you know, emailing every single day. And, And that was the moment where I was like, I think I got this figured out and 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 it gave me the confidence for the next conversation that I had was, Hey, yeah, well, this is what i am doing over here. This is the last client I had, you know, we got this kind of result. And um, so it becomes this uh, battle internally between yourself and yourself, you know, that one side of you that kind of doubts everything and then uh, wants to sabotage it so that you avoid that pain of failure. And then the other side of you, that's like, well, it worked. Like I, I seen it, happen. And so now every person that I talk to after that point, it's just been much easier for me to communicate those ideas. So I love that, um, you know, that that's part of your own personal process and how you've, um, evolved to, to become the person that you are today and the things that you do, you know, to serve people. Um, when it comes to what you do and how you help people, I, I'm, I'm curious, where is, Where do you feel like the biggest value comes from in the way that you're helping people?
0: Mm. Um, The very first beginning, it was the confidence. So the value was in the confidence that I saw in them. So when they have a more powerful voice, uh, they started to notice that they were more confident in speaking up in meetings. They were more confident in making presentations uh some of them that once their voice was developed when they came back to the next session i could see that they were glowing so that would be uh, the very beginning the, the value that i saw and then as i progressed i started to notice that they are becoming happier as well so there was one client when i started working with him i could see that he was looking very depressed and he was feeling insecurity in both his job and his marriage. He said, oh, my boss is probably going to find me at any time. And as we started working together, I started to see that his confidence was growing. And he was sharing with me, he said, I went uh, to a present presentation with my boss to the CEO. After the presentation, the boss said, in the future, all the presentation will be done by you. I said, wow, then you don't need to worry about security, job security anymore. <laughs> so when we finished working together, he said, Cynthia, what is the change you saw in me? I said, the biggest change I saw in you is not just on the voice, but I saw you become happier. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, amazing the that
1: there's that, that trickle down effect into the other areas of your life. Like if you start winning here you kind of develop that, you know, confidence It transfers over into the other places, like your relationships with other people, um, your romantic relationships, your business, the, uh, I guess the amount of wealth that you could acquire all kind of stems from that level of confidence that you bring to the table. What's the, where, where do you start with people then when, when you're, when you're helping them, like, what's the first thing that you do to help somebody kind of step into that new version of themselves?
0: Yes. So uh, I would usually look at, for example, what their problems are and how these problems are affecting them. So, for example, if they say, oh, I'm not sounding very confident, my voice is not projecting confidence. So then I will look at what is exactly the voice problems. Uh, It could be too soft. It could also be that the voice is being held in the body not coming out like what i'm demonstrating right now so when they're doing this so it's not only just the projection issue uh, so also that reflects that what is the blocks in the mind so uh, i will point out not only just we work on the body on the voice but also we will work on removing the mental blocks that are holding them back from speaking up from projecting a powerful voice
1: in, in my experience, I, I've gone through uh, a lot of um, what would you call a personal development, self-help type stuff. It started when I was really young. My dad introduced me to Tony Robbins and, you know, back when it was like cassette tapes, you know, this giant binder of cassette tapes that you just listen to each one and you have to flip the sides over. And that, that's kind of mm-hmm. where the journey started for me. Um, and a lot of this kind of ties back into psychology and childhood trauma and, you know, that weird place you know, when the shrink, you you, you first meet them, they're like, tell me about your parents. And it's so funny that the more I'm exposed to people kind of doing the same work that you're doing, the more I see this connection. Is that, is that kind of what your experience
0: has been? Yes. Yes. You know that everything is connected and also mind and body are one. And uh, for the voice, it is working on the body. So voice like projection, vibration, breathing, these are the things that we're working on the body. When we work on the body, it will affect the mind, which is how you feel. Uh, But at the same time, the mind will affect the body. when When we're not feeling confident, when we're not comfortable with being visible, when we are constantly worried about being judged, then it will show up in the voice like a lot of my clients if they are going to be worried about judgment then the voice is not going to come out so on uh, these two they are always connected
2: it's that's interesting because <clears throat> it's it's true the voice although affected by the mind is is a mechanical process right the brain yes, fires yes. to muscles muscles put the lungs through the air out and the you know going and and all of those things at different levels is what brings our voice projection up or down and all those things. So it's, it's really interesting. And I'm sure there's a whole science and and field research behind that. My, my question back to the business part of this is, is knowing all of that and recognizing these connections between mind and body and confidence and psychology and, and, and all of this, you, you say, I'm going to create a program to help people access this and be Mm self-aware. How do you make it sustainable? Because at some point, like, does somebody graduate from this personal development? Nobody graduates from personal development. We're always growing. So is yes. this something that you just keep clients on for the rest of their life until they feel it's no longer needed? Do you have kind of like this three month startup that, you know, after that we can continue, but you have the fundamentals, like how did you start that? So you actually had a product that you could determine, Hey, here's our starting point. Cause it's more than mm. one session. I think we all know that. Yes. Yes.
0: So, um, the voice, we need to, um, there is a change that you can see and hear. So, for the change to happen, it usually take about six months. So, that's how long that my client will go through. So, uh, we will be going through six months and then after the six months, they hear and they see the voice changed, then they they don't need to come back anymore. And uh, if they do come back, it's because that I have other in-depths or other higher level of advanced programs. So uh, that's uh, how I was creating the program. And also over the years, it was fine-tuned. For example, in the beginning, uh, I was doing four months. And then I realized for most people, because of our stubbornness, the stubborn habits that we have been forming, then I realized, oh, four months is not enough. So uh, gradually, it changed to six months. But there are also clients even today they need more than six months. For example, they need nine to ten months. Then after the six months, we re-examine and then extend it with further packages.
1: Hmm. Ah, so it's like it is an ongoing journey through um, all of those you know, smaller elements, like the, the mind and the body and this, you know, just how you engage with all that stuff. I, I relate a lot of this. So uh, one of the things that I do outside of like the business world is I, I run a recording studio. It used to be a record label, but I work a lot with, um, you know, musicians specifically in mm-hmm. the hip hop world. So guys that rap or guys that sing. And uh, a lot of the time um, I notice with these people that uh, they're very, They're very tight. They're very constrained. And they're very, um, I call it being afraid of your own voice. And so Mm. when they go to sing, the version of you that's in your car by yourself, singing and belting it out loud is very different than the kind that's in a quiet, dead air studio in front of a microphone with headphones on. Uh, And in getting somebody to come from being there in that really, really quiet environment to that, um, you know, open and Uh, expressive place it's quite a journey and I've only ever had you know an hour or two hours with somebody where we're trying to get the best take possible for the art and and so there's only so much that I can do but I wonder what that journey looks like for somebody over you know a longer period of time what is some of the uh, things that you notice that change outside of um, you know just the confidence
0: Mm, okay so for example in the beginning uh, some of them their voice sounds very constricted Constricted in a way that it's like this one, one of of the problems, that this is how they're speaking. And uh, if they want to influence people or be a leader, then this voice is too small, too constricted. It's not going to influence people. So uh, we work on, for example, uh, one is the breathing, the proper breathing, to make proper breathing a habit. And two is we work on generating more sound in the body so that the voice can come out more. And then at the same time, we work on what is it that is holding the voice back. Some of them, for example, they are afraid of being judged. So then we need to work on getting over that judgment, the fear of judgment. So when they started to work on the voice, I started to see that first, the voice is coming out more. Two is that when they are speaking in the past, when we're doing face to face meetings, they started to see that their voice can fill up a bigger place. So that's uh, one of the things that I always tell them, that your voice needs to take up space. So that's uh, some of the things that they will notice. Or for those who uh, speak fast, they notice that they speak slowly. Uh, Also that they realize that the changes from other people's responses. So one recent client, uh, that was one of her problems, that the voice was held inside of the body, not coming up. And as she progressed, she said, now in meetings, other people ask me, what do I have to say? They want to hear from me. So she was very surprised. So those are some of the changes they started to notice, not only in their own voice, in the way they feel, but also from other people's responses.
1: Right. Okay. Mitch, you're muted.
2: (laughs) Quiet. Quiet, Devin. (laughs) <laughs> uh, can we change direction for a second? Because there's, there's things about your journey that I, I do want to touch on for, for this episode. Mm-hmm. So I think your program is beautiful. I've taken a lot of public speaking and, uh, I do, I've, I've started auditioning for audiobooks. I, I think it's, I think it's a great asset that people in the business world need to recognize they need. And, uh, yeah. so I think that's really cool. And I think that your development of that is, is very impressive and, and very admirable. But I also know that in your uh, journey of yourself, you've created a bit of a a reputation. You've created kind of this uh, atmosphere, culture around you where you are presenting uh, in front of audiences that really would be attractive to a lot of people. They would love to speak in front of those audiences. You know, your, your TED Talk. I mean, everyone in this world would love to be on a TED Talk. How did you get there? How did you end up speaking at Stanford? How did you get the you know, nominations that where did that come from, from this, this concept of a, of a public speaking or, you know, voice, voice coaching to now yes. being coming almost a leader in your, in your field. Yes. Where, where did yes. that transition happen? Mm.
0: So that's where um, I realized that what I'm doing is not just a career. What I'm doing is my purpose is my mission um so uh, because over the years when i started working with, with more clients in the beginning i realized that many of them they have similar experiences like i did for example they were not assertive they were not heard and of course over as my business progressed now i have clients with all kinds of problems some of them they sound too aggressive uh, too loud but in the first two to three years when i realized oh they are they they are the old me then i saw the meaning of my experience in my very first job which i where i was bullied i realized there was a reason that i need needed to go through that experience so that i could relate to these clients better so that i could find my calling so the more i do my work the more i realized this is what i'm put on this planet to do so when you realize that then you want to do more things to uh, influence more people to help more people so that's why that i'm not only just limited to doing my work anymore i want to bring more difference to more people so that's where the mindset shifted and that helped me to uh, be more exposed and of course i needed to get over my own fear of being visible as well. And once I was able to get over that, then I am reaching more people. I am exposing myself more so that I can make a bigger difference.
2: Were those opportunities brought to you and you said yes? Or were those opportunities that you sought out and, and took advantage of that? Like, was it your initiative or was it brought to you and you were available to take the opportunity?
0: So It was always uh, the situation where I'm keeping my eyes, my ears open. So I always wanted to speak on a TEDx stage. Uh, Back in 2012, I was talking to a TEDx organizer in Singapore. And then at the time she said, oh, uh, we'll see. (laughs) So then we we will see until today. (laughs) So it didn't happen, but I didn't, purposely sought out the, the opportunities anymore. It's just that I keep my eyes open. And then one day in an event that I met someone, and as we talked and he said, oh, I'm a TEDx organizer for an event, for a TEDx event. <laughs> I said, oh, I have been thinking about uh, speaking there. And then we talked, so he asked me to uh, submit my proposal and also give me some, uh, some uh, ideas. So I submitted and then, uh, there I was. So the other opportunities was also that always keep my eyes open. And, uh, so I always go to different events, uh, to make sure that I meet different people. So these opportunities are brought uh, in by those people that I met.
2: So I, I've recently come up with this concept that I run my life by now. And it's that I never say no until I know all the facts. So, you know, uh, recently had an opportunity come up that my first inkling was like, no, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm doing. It's kind of over my head, but I, there's this part of me that just said, yep. And I will figure it out, but I, I want to hear more before I turn it down. Is that yes. something that you've, you know, you've come to an opportunity. You're like, ah, maybe this is out of my element, but you just kind of went for it.
0: Uh, so when the opportunities come, mm-hmm. I w- if it's really that something that's in my expertise, I will keep, always be open. I say, okay, tell me more. Let's explore. Let's see that what's possible. But that, if it's obviously not in my expertise, I will say no.
1: There, there's this idea that you're constantly, um, I guess, manifesting what, what you want to bring to your world. In you know, um, everything is, a, is an opportunity if, if I'm willing or if I'm capable, right. Those two things obviously have to be there. If you're not capable of speaking, don't take on a TEDx, but if you are, then it's something that you're almost pulled to do. Yes. How did you, yes. how did you find that inside of you? Cause I know you said this, um, overcoming the fear of being more visible, and me and my brother, we have this conversation quite frequently because he's a, I don't know, I guess we'll call him a very private person. And me, I'm entirely the opposite. Like, I'm also a singer. I, I love playing music. I, I love being on stage. And, you know, the the energy that I get that I can give to other people and create this really, really phenomenal experience for people. I, I love that. But my brother, he's afraid of that in terms of, like, he doesn't want people to see him or know him. But it's like you're limiting... Um, you know, the amount of people that you can help and you're limiting the potential for what that means for your future. So, like, how do you address that? How
0: do you overcome that? Yes. Uh, So uh, then we you were mentioning about childhood, (laughs) Uh. how I was brought up. So uh, my survival strategy at home was being invisible. So if I was invisible, I was safe. Mm So somehow that I was linking invisible, being invisible with safety. So once I was able to realize that, then I was, that was one of the things that I was able to uh, get over that. By the same time, uh, you have to, uh, the other thing you need to shift is that the mindset, because I realized that when I'm invisible, I feel comfortable. But when I'm feeling comfortable, I'm not able to help other people. There are people who might need my help, but because they don't know that my existence, I wouldn't be able to help them. So we need to shift the mindset of just focusing on ourselves to focusing on more other people. So when you start to focus on other people, then all your problems, you can get over them. And uh, so uh, that's the other thing, the second solution for me. And the third one is you, you really have to... Put yourself out there. For example, in the beginning, that when I was sharing something on social media, <laughs> once I post something, I will get disappeared for a few days. <laughs> I feel so uncomfortable putting up a post. And uh, as the time goes by, I, the time that I needed to get lost, <laughs> get disappeared, <laughs> gets shortened and shortened. So now I don't need much time to uh, disappear once I put up a post.
1: <laughs> you touched on something really uh, important there, and I don't want to gloss over it. There's an old adage, uh, to save yourself, sometimes you have to save others, or to help yourself, sometimes you have to help others. It's different in some places. but uh, When you shift that focus off of, oh, how do I feel? I am insecure. I'm not confident. I'm not good enough. And you just put that down for a second and you shift your focus over to, Oh, that person needs help with confidence. That person needs help with feeling more grounded and secure. That person needs help with being able to speak out. And I, I can do that. It kind of, it, it kind of eliminates that, um, that judgment that it, it just takes it completely away. This happened for me um, a long time ago. I did this experiment where I went to a bar by myself. Um, it was a very crowded space. I ordered a beer and a basket of fries, and I just sat there in the middle of the room in the that really, really uncomfortable feeling. And I I recognized a lot of the thoughts that were going on in my head was what other people were thinking about me. Other people Mm -hmm. thinking, Oh, well, here's this weird old guy. That's just sitting at the bar by himself. Like that's so odd or strange or whatever. And I, I was projecting what other people were thinking onto myself. And, and I, I snapped out of it because I had this accidental realization when I started just looking around the room, I began observing those thoughts in my head happening in somebody else's head. And then I, and then I realized, um, you know, how important this is, uh, this saying that I recently found and I'm just infatuated with it. Uh, you'll, you'll stop worrying about what people think of you when you realize how seldom they do and how often people are trapped in their own little worlds, you know, going through their own things. And and it's, it's become this kind of, I don't know, this, uh, cloak of, of invincibility in terms of like how I, you know, experience being out in the world. Um, I wonder how much of that relates to the work that you do. Have you, have you noticed similar things?
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, it's always that we are constantly thinking about what other people might think of us and uh, it happens to everyone. So that's why sometimes I tell my clients that I said, uh, relax. No one is thinking too much about you because we're all preoccupied. <laughs> we, we all have our own stuff to think about.
2: <laughs> you made the comment about social media and how you've kind of leveraged social media um, for let's just call it uh, brand awareness and and you know personal branding as well. Um, yes. How have you? How much have you leaned on social media? Like how how big of an impact has that been for you? with your business and with your own branding uh, versus maybe some different avenues that, that entrepreneurs can take? Mm.
0: So social media, since day one, it has always been a very important. So like I mentioned, my very first client, surprisingly, it was from LinkedIn. And uh, uh, other than LinkedIn, uh, the others that I use the most is YouTube. So I have a YouTube falling of 47.3, k subscribers, so uh, 43,000 subscribers. And that requires a lot of <laughs> getting over of the being, fear of being visible. So once I was able to get over that, you see that YouTube has become a very important platform for me in growing my business. Because on YouTube, they are, right now, I think there are over 250 videos. And these 250 videos help people understand how I can help them, uh, what kind of voice problems I help them solve, uh, what is my teaching style. So that has helped me in uh, getting a lot of clients. Many of them, once they uh, watched at least 50% of my videos, then they came and say to me that, oh, I like the way you're teaching or they say that you mentioned one voice problem. That is exactly what I'm experiencing. So uh, that's one of the uh, social media platforms that I use.
2: With with your YouTube, YouTube's interesting because uh, it's easy to put TikTok videos up. It's, it's actually not overly hard to gain a small following on TikTok. Um, Facebook, you know, I think everyone kind of runs on that same thing, but YouTube is different in the sense of, you know, to, to get a thousand subscribers and, and North of that is not easy because you don't interact with people like you do on TikTok. You don't. And, and the other social media platforms, you can actually almost kind of recruit uh, connections and and followers, but you can't do that on YouTube. So Mm -hmm. how did you, did you find that there was a period where you were kind of like nobody's seeing this and nobody cares. And then all of a sudden it kind of, jump to that next level. How long did that take and how many videos and what kind of views until you finally saw some traction with the value you were bringing? Okay. So
0: is, uh, I think at least about five years in, uh, that's where I started to see that the, uh, more and more uh, subscribers. So, uh, once you get over 10,000 subscribers, it will become easier because uh, YouTube will start to highlight your videos more. But the initial stage, you will need time to build. And of course, and now I think there are courses telling you how you can get subscribers fast. But for me, when I started, I didn't think about, oh, I need to get 10,000 subscribers in how much time. All I was focusing on was I I want to um, post more videos talking about people's problems. And uh, that's what I did. So when, when you did that, then more and more people will start to come, and they will recommend your videos because you are helping them. You are addressing their problems. So that's what I would encourage people to focus on as well. Really get very clear about what kind of problem you are solving. What are the problems that people are experiencing? When you can address that, then they will know, oh, you might be the one who can help me.
1: It's crazy because like, like YouTube functions as a, uh, like a search engine rather than a social media platform. A lot of people still classify YouTube as a social media platform, but it's like, that's where people are going to figure something out. If I have a problem with my car, for example, you know, how to change a tire and then I can find, you know, hundreds of thousands of videos of how to change a tire. So it gets when, when you're doing this in terms of like business and building up your client base, uh it becomes a little bit more difficult to figure out what people are searching for and and how you can show up there to you know serve them and help them do you have a strategy for that or or you just kind of were winging it until you figured it out
0: uh yes there's a strategy which is that one is there are three things people need to do at least one is that for every client you are helped always remember that what are their problems what is the language that they are using So uh, for example, a friend of mine, also an entrepreneur, she said, oh, I help people to get more authentic, but not a lot of people wake up in the morning saying that I want to be more authentic today.
1: (laughs) Nobody's Googling how to become more authentic. (laughs) Seems kind of productive.
0: Yeah. And then she said, oh, one client said that when she finished working with me, she felt more liberated. I said that's the word she's using. Use the word "liberated." You help people get more liberated. And uh, so, one is that get very clear on what problems you are solving and uh, what is the language that your clients are using. How do they feel after they finish working with you? Use their words, and then you can turn them into many videos already. For example, the client come to me saying that oh uh i'm speaking with a very soft voice when i when i'm in meetings i'm not being heard so then i make a video about how to be heard (laughs) and then after finishing working with me they may say that oh now i can see that people are more engaged when i'm speaking then make another video how to be more engaged when you're speaking so that's one one source you can look for ideas about videos from your clients And the second one is that you can go to uh, Google and YouTube. In the search box, you search, for example, voice training. And when I type in voice, just voice the word, there are already a lot of suggestions coming up. Then you know those are the things that people are searching. For example, I put in voice. Then there are things like uh, online voice classes. Then I can make one video about online voice classes. Uh, There are also uh, videos like uh, the ideas when I search voice, they said voice exercises. So I did make two or three videos about a quick and simple voice exercise. (laughs) So that's the second idea that they can have. And the third one, we know that uh, Google, there is a function called, I think it's Google keyword search. So people can uh, Google that and see how you can set it up. So uh, anything related to your topic, to your expertise, uh, Google will let you know what are the things that people search the most. So those are three ideas for people.
2: When, when it comes to content and videos, um, was there ever a fear? Because I think some people they hesitate to put out too much information because they don't want to give everything away. Uh, you know, for having two hundred and fifty videos could someone watch all your videos and being like, I'm good. I don't need your services. I got it all for free. Like, it, yes. is that a reality? Is it not? Because it, it seems like you've put a lot of content on there where do I need to take your course? I can just watch yeah. all your videos. Where is that yes. distinction and, and where did you become okay with putting all that content out there? Yeah.
0: Um, I am being okay with that. And also there are people, (laughs) after watching my videos, they don't come to me, (laughs) which they are also not my ideal client. Uh, So you want to also get very clear about who your ideal clients are. So as I progress, my uh, ideal clients are in the leadership role. So those who are in the leadership role, they're not just going to watch a few videos and then uh, don't don't want to work with me anymore. Um, So knowing who your ideal clients are And knowing that you cannot serve anyone so there are people that i'd love to help them but i'm not able to work with them they may not have the they may not be ready mentally emotionally they may not be ready uh, financially but with my videos i can still help them Uh, so uh, it is really that getting very clear about who your ideal clients are and then two is that you you see, having been working on this for over 12 years, that all the even for the 250 videos is only a fraction of what I have to share. So I really constantly um, improve yourself, improve your teaching, uh, so that what you teach is so rich that you I can talk for three days about voice. Three days are nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like some-
2: Well, this is the podcast dilemma, right? Like you think of like, we're on, this is, this would be episode, I don't know, something around uh, 24, 25, something like that. And each of them are average an hour. So we've put out 25 hours of content for people to listen to. So that's a ton of content and we've really hit a variety of, of topics you know, some people don't want the podcast because it's like, well, I'm, I'm not getting paid for that immediately in a return. It's not a cash exchange for that information sharing, right? And so some people are actually hesitant for the podcast or they run out of material because they talk about a topic that you can't talk about for more than two hours. So yeah. it, it's an interesting dilemma. We definitely understand me and Devin have had that conversation about what to share, how much to share, and do you just give it all away and, and it'll attract the people that you want. I think that's a great point for the ideal client.
1: It's interesting because in in my experience, what I've noticed is is you you have to be prepared to help people. Just that's it. Like full stop. You just have to be prepared to help people. And Mm -hmm. even though, right, 250 videos later, you've probably helped a lot of people. To subscribe to a voice coach on YouTube is already an indication that you know, if I were to do that, like that's an ongoing thing that I want help with on a regular basis. And anytime you have a new development or a new video of some kind, you know, I want to absorb that. And I may not be in a position to invest in myself in terms of, you know, spend money on actual coaching or, or a class or a program, but here's, what's really cool about this. My journey would look something like watches 250 videos. Start speaking with confidence and and actually you know elevating myself in the business world, and then I encounter people along the way who also had that problem, and I you know what I I know these people are in a position to invest in themselves and would like to mm. do some and I can say you know who helped me was Cynthia, she she yes. did a phenomenal job of helping me and then guess what that person who's never seen the channel never subscribed is going to become a customer and in turn support you and that's because I genuinely got value from the things that you were providing. So I'll never yes. become a customer, but I know people who will. And I think that that's there's fine. a there's an unspoken power in your ability to be prepared to just help people. And when you help yes. people, they help you. And I think that that's something a lot of people need to understand, especially in this um, the world of marketing and business and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I'm constantly faced with is um, you know, how do you create value-based content? How do you create content that's going to deliver value to somebody and, and give it away for free? And a lot of people, because some of them, you know, this isn't like intellectual property is the product and they're Mm -hmm. giving it away for free. That is counterintuitive at first, but Mm as I'm sure you, you know, through your journey, um, of your first client on LinkedIn to now having 47,000 subscribers on, on YouTube, that is proof enough that what you're doing and how you're creating value for people is enough to sustain yourself, your business, and the things that you're doing, not just, you know, in the past and now, but into the future. So on that note, as you continue to develop the brand and the business and and put yourself out there, what are your goals for the
0: future? Where are you taking this? So one of my goals is always to be able to uh, influence more people. So that's where that I keep on speaking as well, uh, speaking in different parts of the world, speaking at different conferences, so that I can help people, I can influence people, uh, influence more people, uh, make a bigger difference. So that's uh, my primary goal. And then uh, at the same time, it's again that the, the second thing that I have in mind is to influence people on a deeper level, deeper level, in, including, for example, mental and em- emotional uh, healing. Uh, so not only just the voice improvement, but also from the voice, we can improve their mental and uh, emotional condition. So that's uh, my second goal.
1: That's such an, such a high reaching aspirational goal. I I remember hearing Gary V talk about, you know, what his bigger goals are. And this just resonated with me so deeply. He said, I want to have the biggest funeral. And at first that's a little, a little jarring, but when you dig into it and you unpack it a little bit more, it's like, Oh, people that go to your funeral are there because you've had an impact on their life. And that to me uh, just became so profound. So to see, you know, to meet other people that are kind of on that journey or have, deeply connected and resonate with that, um, you know, higher purpose of the impact that you're going to have on the world, you know, when you're gone, how many lives you've affected, how many people you've changed and how that ripples forward. Because if you help somebody, uh, you know, learn how to have more confidence and communicate better, they can go out in the world now and solve bigger problems just because you were able to help them do that. And I think that that's so powerful.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: When, when you took the advantage of the opportunities, like we talked about earlier, the, the speaking engagements and, you know, going back to the Ted talk, the Stanford, all of those, did you find that I'm assuming just from our conversation that you went into those because out of passion, there, there was no hidden agenda. It was just, this is what you love doing. This is what you wanted to do. That being said, did you see a direct result in the impact in your business because of taking advantage of those opportunities and it, it grew at a faster rate at, yes. by any, or you gain clients or maybe just some reputation or other opportunities, like just because you went into something you were passionate about, was there a correlation to growth after that?
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. For example, the TEDx talk, the very first thing I noticed was instant credibility. <laughs> I never imagined that it will be, it will be such a big difference. Because in the beginning, it was just that, oh, I want to speak on a bigger stage to have my message out, to let people know the importance of the human voice. But right after the uh, TEDx talk, when my video was up, the credibility, instant credibility, it was really shocking to me. So uh, that's the very first thing. And then the second thing, of course, that it helped me to bring more business uh, including individual clients, including speaking opportunities, because people feel that oh, if you are on TEDx stage, you must be good. And the fact is, I am. <laughs> so,
2: uh, I love it.
0: There's love the it. confidence. So, there you go. Yes. It, it does. It does. Uh, it does bring a increase on the business.
2: Is has there been a certain target? Like I know you talked about, um, you know, corporate clients and and kind of like leaders in in their fields. Have you, have you gone down any testing paths, like, say, for example, a, a whole corporation or a company-wide program or, or anything like that that maybe you've experimented with at all? Because like, you seem like a very innovative person, so I'm sure you're always thinking of new ways to develop and, and move forward. Yes.
0: So uh, I do my uh, experiment in my pro bono speaking engagements. Uh, because the corporate ones they're they're paying you and <laughs> it, it better be tested
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: so, uh, so in my uh, pro bono uh, speaking engagements, I test my new ideas and test new ways of uh, a concept. Uh, so that's why that i I still encourage people to do uh, pro bono speaking engagements.
1: There's still value to be shared. In those, yes. in those situations. And if, and, and capitalizing on that in terms of like, you know, just getting yourself out there or being a part of that conversation, uh, like you said, that lended credibility just goes so much further when, you know, somebody's yes. looking for somebody like you. Um, we're kind of coming up to the end here. So just to kind of wrap things up, um, if there was one thing, um, that you could leave people with, that would make a huge impact on their ability to put themselves out there and communicate with the world and have a bigger voice, what would that be?
0: It's the saying that clarity comes after action. So don't look at your computer all day and trying to figure out some new ideas, whether it will work, go out and test it. Once you test it, then you have the clarity. So clarity comes after action. Stop thinking about it. Go out and test it. Talk to people and see how people respond so that you can fine-tune your message. Otherwise, that it will only be um, an idea.
1: I've heard people talk about their experience with skydiving and the whole, you know, the weeks, the days, the hours leading up to the moment that they propel themselves out of the door of an airplane at 30,000 feet uh, is this immense fear and it's paralyzing and it's crippling for some people. And the second they step off the edge and begin falling is the moment where they experience the most, like you said, clarity, happiness, the joy that comes from finally overcoming that thing that they've been in fear of for so long. And and I I love that that saying is it, it relates to to anything, um, ha, you know. Just having heard that experience from somebody else is when you make the jump. That's when you finally see you know the truth behind everything, and that fear was actually just a facade and stopping you from taking that action. So I love that that's the uh, the point that you make.
2: I got I got one more question before we wrap up. Sure. Um, so uh, I used an analogy with somebody I was talking to about their direction and, and their, uh, you know, development. And they said, they made the comment about, um, uh, downgrading for a period of time, but I, I, I compared it to a rock climber, right. Ascending. Sometimes you have to go down a little bit in order to re reset. It doesn't mean that you're, you're leaving the rock. You're still reaching your goal. You're still going up, but there's little ups and there's little downs along the way. Did you find anywhere along your Your journey so far that you've had to, in a sense, regress uh, a little bit and and take a step back or change direction where it seems like maybe you're going backwards, but you know that it's a step forward at the same time? Yes,
0: yes, definitely. So uh, I remember in 2013, so in 2013 that uh, my business was growing very slowly and I thought, oh, this is probably not working. Uh, Maybe I need to find a job. (laughs) (laughs) I was already three years into the business. And then I remember that I was talking to a mentor, uh, another mentor, not the one that discouraged me, but the one who discouraged me in the very beginning. We're good friends. (laughs) We're still friends now. And so he said, oh, Cynthia, this is how your business was growing. It was going up and now you're just at the plateau. And uh, here is where you need to re-strategize, look at what's working, what's not working, what you need to let go, what you need to keep. So that's where I realized, ah, that's how businesses grow. It's not just always skyrocketing all the way up. It's always going up and down and then sometimes we hit a plateau. So that's what business is. So uh, when I was able to get over that stage, It actually made me become more firm that, yes, this is the road that I'm going to. I'm not going to find another job anymore. (laughs) So uh, that's uh, one of the experiences.
2: Awesome. I love that. And
1: there's there's an immense power that you acquire as you go through that and learn that you actually are capable of being self-sustaining. And, yes. and the confidence that comes along with that I know myself I've, I've gone through this experience actually more recently than I think either of you but um, it, it was just a moment that I had by myself and I was like, I don't have a boss and all my bills are paid this this feels great. <laughs> <laughs> you know and then all the headaches and the fires that you gotta put out they they come back into reality and, and then you're back to work but it, but it was a cool experience for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Cynthia if somebody listening to this wants, help, um, you know, in the area of, 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 speaking or communicating, and they want to reach out to you, how do they find you?
0: Sure. So, uh, we have been talking about YouTube, so they can go to YouTube in a search box, put Cynthia voice Coach. They'll be able to find my channel. And, uh, also the second one, of course is my website. So my website is powerful executive So uh, on my website, there's also a lot of free resources for them to work on their voice. And the third is um, other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, so they can find me there, connect with me. Yeah.
1: Awesome. We'll put links in the show notes uh, for anybody that's looking. um, And if you want to reach out, you have any comments, leave them wherever you're finding this podcast. Uh, and if you want to speak to me or Mitch directly, uh, just send us an email that's email theperspective at gmail.com. Um, for now, that's a wrap. Uh, and i'm I'm so happy and honored that Cynthia you were able to join us today and uh, um, I wish you the best in the
0: future. Sure, thank you.